Welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Cam, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time here, welcome. If you are part of the community, welcome back. I really do appreciate each and every one of you for taking out your time to listen. If you have been tuning in, you know that we just wrapped up the Single Dad series. There were four episodes and then a bonus episode. If, you know, you guys have not been listening, I'll quickly recap. So, in the first episode, I got a chance to talk to Tyrese about 50-50 parenting. I'm sorry, 50-50 co-parenting. Then I got a chance to talk to Willie, who is co-parenting in college, Jeremy, who is a military dad, and Maurice, who is a divorced dad of multiples. And then we had the bonus episode with Brawley, who created this Single Fathers United movement. So if you have not taken the time out to listen, please do yourself a favor and go back and listen to these guys talk. I mean, um, you really have to have an open mind when you're listening to them, but you can learn a lot. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down to chat with Nashia, who is a lawyer, and we're going to talk about that one thing that People don't really care to talk about, and it's called child support. (laughs) So if you're interested to um, know about, you know, making the right decision to put your child's father on child support, or if you just are interested in knowing about it, like me, uh, stay tuned. She really breaks it down for us and even shares a bit of her story and what it was like going through court for her. If you have been listening and you have been learning some things and you haven't left a review what are you waiting on mama pause this right now and if you're listening on apple Podcasts, you can go leave a review if you go to the page where you can see all of the episodes you can scroll down and leave a review there you can also share with your mom friends family and anyone you think may need to hear this you can also share on your social media and especially Insta story I think are those are good now because people are always you know looking to see what podcasts other people are listening to the more you share the more exposure the podcast has and so other single moms are able to um, learn about it so I appreciate that and I'm thanking you all in advance let's get into this episode Hi, Nashia. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am so excited to have you on today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Doing awesome. Can you take a moment to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. So, hi, everyone. Um, My name is Nashia Conway, a single mom. I currently live in um, the D.C. area. I'm an attorney and I've focus on criminal law as well as now I'm starting to focus a little bit more on um, family law issues. Um, born and raised in the DMV area, attended, ball, uh, attended law school, I'm sorry, um, in Baltimore. And um, really excited to, to be here, to be on this, this call and to hopefully answer some questions to help other single moms. 
Awesome. And I appreciate it so much because I know you have a busy day tomorrow. You have court and everything. So again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So how did you actually get into law? Like, did you have an interest initially going into college or, you know, was that something that just happened? Talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, that's a good question. And every time someone asks me that, uh, that question, you know, how did you get into law? I feel like I could give such a cliche answer, but it's, it's the most honest answer. So when I was younger, I used to like watching Law and Order. I, I just used to love watching Law and Order. Oh, that was said, my show too. <laughs> yeah, I just love watching it. I just remember saying one day, um, you know, when I grow up, I think I want to be an attorney. And I think at this point in time, I was maybe about 12 or 13 or so. And I just loved seeing it, you know, the, the attorneys in the courtroom. And I just, I don't know, there was just something about it that I just loved. So, but I was told by, you know, sad to say some family and friends that you know I don't know if you'll be able to do it it's a lot of work it's a lot of reading it's a lot of writing you know we don't really have any lawyers in the family and it was very discouraging for me so when I went to college I kind of just dismissed you know dismissed the idea of becoming an attorney because of what I was told you know for my family and friends and I instead um, went in majoring in communications and then something just didn't feel right in my spirit I just felt like you know this is not what I'm supposed to be doing um, I still didn't know that um, at that time, I still didn't, you know, transition back to focusing on law, but um, I just knew that I shouldn't have been doing communications. So I went from communications to um, early childhood studies. I'm like, uh, I don't really know. Um, and then I said, you know what, I'll just do criminal justice. You know, it's, you know, I, I, I was always passionate about criminal justice and trying to um, work in a field where I feel like I could give back to my community and help protect my community and serve my community. So I said, you know what, I'll just do criminal justice. Fast forward um, to my junior year of college, I found out about this program, which was called the Baltimore Scholars Program. And basically what the program did was it, um, it was created to help even the playing field um, in the legal profession, mm-hmm. more specifically to help more black, you know, college students be able to afford law school and to be able to be equipped to um, excel in law school. So I applied for that program my junior year of college, I was very hesitant. It was the first year. No, I'm sorry. I think I applied for my senior year. It was the first year that they were accepting senior year um, students. And I applied for it, got into the program and, um, you know, kind of just that program helped me pay for law school and it provided the mentorship and the support services that I needed in order to, um, you know, to do well in law school. So that's, that's how I got into it. Um, and it was very, very challenging. Um, you know, not only because I was a first-generation college student and a first-generation, you know, now law student, but I also got pregnant with my daughter um, actually two weeks before I started law school. So that was oh very, very... Oh, my gosh. That was going to be my next question. Wow. So even after getting pregnant and all, you still pushed through. And I'm guessing that you and your uh, daughter's father were still together throughout law school. At, like, what point did you guys separate? And how was that in law school? So actually, me and him broke up a few months after my daughter was born. Oh, so my wow. daughter was born in April. And so, yeah, my daughter was born in April. And me and him officially broke. You know, we tried to make it work. It's like, you know, we had a baby. Like, you know, let's try to make it work as a family. And we tried um, on and off throughout law school. But we broke up officially, I would say, she was maybe about two or three months old. Um, so it was pretty much just me. In her in Baltimore by myself, 
you know, he would, um, you know, he was living in, I would say he was living about an hour away at the time. So he would try to, you know, help me out as far as getting her maybe like every other weekend or, you know, but it wasn't, I primarily had most responsibility by myself. Um, my other family was here in the DC area. So it was just pretty much me and my daughter, to be honest with you. And I just had to, you know, people ask me all the time, well, how did you do it? Like, how, how were you able to um, get through law school as a single mom? Like, how, how were you able to do that? And I tell them, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very heavily um, in my faith. And I just, you know, prayed a lot and, you know, just did the best that I could. And, and I tried to build me a support system because I knew I, I didn't have the support system that I needed. So I, I started to build it. I just started reaching out to different people um, and people were helping me in different ways. You know, I found me a childcare provider who was very understanding of my situation. I then had um, assistance through the Baltimore Scholars Program that kind of helped me as far as my academics because, you know, I had to miss some classes for doctor's appointments and stuff like that. So, you know, based on um, the support system that I built, I was able to get through it, but it was very, very, very challenging and difficult. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I take that experience, um, you know, I try to look at it in a positive light, you know, because I tell myself that, you know, by me being able to go through that experience and make it through, I can now give encouragement to somebody else. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I, I think that I'm, I'm proud of it for that um, aspect, to know, to, to encourage, you know, someone to tell them, don't let somebody think that just because you're a single parent or you're a single mom. So that's like, we just, I don't want to get off. I don't want to jump ahead of the questions or anything like that, but I just like, we just get such a bad rap at times that, oh, you know, people just count us out, you know, because they say, oh, she's yes. a parent, you know, she can't do this, she can't do that. Actually, I had a um, instructor basically tell me, told me that I needed to sit out a semester or so because I was not going to be able to, to finish law school. Wow. And tried to convince me to leave, actually. And I said, you know, he's like, well, maybe you should wait until your child gets a little bit older. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. So definitely um, want to let, you know, any other single mom that's listening who may be thinking about going, you know, and it doesn't have to be law school. It could be grad school, medical school, that just because you're a single mom, that doesn't mean that you can't do it because you can do it. And don't let anybody talk you out of it. Yes, I totally agree. And that's so awesome that you, you know, feel the need to share your story to be able to give back and encourage the next mom because sometimes, you know, people go through it, and then they don't talk about and they don't share it. So nobody ever knows. And it's like, how can you help the next mom if you're not telling, you know, if you're not open with them, they won't ever know that you went through it, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, And I was a little hesitant at first. But Again, I just know that, you know, because I wish I would have had somebody, you know, to tell me, you know what, it's going to be okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to not know, you know, if you're going to pass this exam or not. And I remember, you know, just vividly, my daughter was, I think, yeah, because I had her two weeks before final exams, my first year of law school. And I remember studying for an exam and I had her in one arm and had my book in the other arm. And I'm just sitting there crying like, I don't know how I'm going to pass this exam. I haven't had time to study. I'm sleep deprived. It was horrible. But I said, you know what, I just have to just try, you know, and I went in and I took that exam and I just, I really didn't know anything. I just, but I said, I prayed and I said, you know, please just help me, you know, at least get a C or something if I can pass. Right. And I did. I think on that exam, I ended up getting a C minus and that was the lowest grade that you can get. But I passed. Like, hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> you know? So. So to get into this whole thing about child support. 
Um, like, I feel like this is one of those things where, I don't know, it gets such a bad rip. And I don't know why, but from your perspective, what is the biggest misconception um, that there is about child support? Um, and hopefully I, I'm going to speak specifically about my own situation because I've had to personally go through this myself. Okay. Um, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, just for me in my situation, I think one of the misconceptions is um, because me and my daughter's father father actually do have a um, existing child support order, but with my situation, it was entered into by default. So, you know, it's different by you know per state, but basically in Maryland, because at the time I was in law school, I had no income, so I had apply for child support through social services. I was getting daycare vouchers for her to go to school. And um, a requirement is they make you take the, the, the non-custodial parent for child support. So I had to, so they actually did it on my behalf. I never showed up for a hearing or anything because I, you know, my hearing was in a different county an hour away. I didn't have transportation at the time. So they just handled everything for me. Um, and then I had to actually maybe about was like a month ago I tried to um get my child support order modified so I won't talk about modification right now because that's a whole I mean it's related but I don't want to confuse the two um things but getting back to your question as far as what's the biggest misconception I know for me in my situation the dad just felt like it was enough money and I'm like this is I don't think he understood how much it costs to take care of a kid you know mm-hmm. and I think that sometimes yeah. they you know think that well you're just trying to just you know take my money you just you know you're not really a child doesn't cost this much or you know and I think they just think or that and also um the fact that just because the relationship went bad now you're trying to get back at them it's like well no I'm not I'm just trying to do what is necessary in order to ensure that my child is taken care of but they may feel like well you're just doing it out of revenge or you're just trying to be greedy and you know over money or and my daughter's father actually told, made a comment to me and said to me one time, well, you're a lawyer. Why do you need child support? I'm like, that's ridiculous. You're obligated. Both parents are obligated to provide for their children, for their child or children. You know, it doesn't matter what my profession is. You have a legal obligation to take care of your child. So I, I would say that is probably the, 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 the uh, I don't even know, is that a misconception or not? But I don't know. Did I answer that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that I think okay. that um that is definitely a case, you know, when people don't really realize that both parents should be responsible for financially providing for the child, you know. Um the mother did not make her loan and neither did the father, you know. So how does one determine if they should actually file for child support? Because I know some moms are like, well, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I'm really not sure. He does help sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. what are some things that they should consider? Uh, I know that sometimes when you go to um, file child support and maybe the parent is on the birth certificate, do they still have to establish paternity or is that something that if both parties agree to that they can skip that part? Talk about that process a little bit. Okay, so I, I want to first address the first part that you said as far as when a parent should, you know, decide, okay, well, should I even file for child support? And I think, again, I, I like to talk about my experience, which is, you know, is my 
own stories. So I feel like it's the best experience. Um, again, I thought, well, I, I kind of was forced to file, you know, because of the, the, I wanted to get daycare vouchers. But like I said, I recently um, filed for a modification of child support, basically to get the order increased. And the reason why I did that was because, because I debated it, because, you know, mind you, the existing child support order was five years old. So for five years, I never, I just kind of just, you know, stuck with the, the amount the judge ordered five years ago, even though it was, it was not enough. But I said, you know what, I'll just make it happen. I'll just, you know, do what I have to do. If that means I have to, cut, you know, cut back in other areas, you know, make sacrifices to make sure that I can make this work. And then, you know, for the longest time, I thought about, well, you know, I think I need to really go to um, try to file for a modification to get this child support order increased. And I think one of the things that kept me from doing it um, for such a long time is because I, I cared too much. I, I did. And, um, you know, and I, and I wanted to, I wanted to give him a chance. So I would say some of the things that a parent should take into consideration is A, is he trying? B, he or she, um, is he or she trying? Um, B, um, is he consistent? You know, and I just feel like that to me, I needed to make sure that, you know, if my child needed something, let's say in January, let's say uh, he agrees to pay $100 towards clothing expenses. Okay, he does it for January, he does it for February. But March, you know, you may notice from whatever source that he has a party plan and he, you just, you know, he's starting to give you excuses as to why he can't give you the $100 this month, but he'll give it to you next month. You know, stuff like that. That's just, you know, that should, should raise a red flag and say, you know what, he's starting to be a little, you know, shaky. He's not being consistent. Um, you know, he's not, he's not being, um, reliable and predictable when he's saying he's going to do something for the child but if if he is in a situation where you know if it is a situation where he does you know provide for the child and you know you don't have any issues whenever you tell the tell him that the child needs something he provides it you know then that that's a different scenario but again for me for my situation I felt like I would I, I tried to even talk to him and say hey you know we don't have to go to court if you just give me, you know, an extra, you know, certain amount per month, that'll help cover these additional experience, uh, expenses. And he agreed to that, but it never occurred, you know. And then summer camp came, summertime came up, and summer camp came. And I said, well, hey, can, can you at least pay for the summer camp? Oh, uh, well, I would pay for it, but I don't really know who would pick her up and take her. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Can you just pay for it? Didn't do that. So at that point, I said, you know what, I don't want to keep going through this every single year. So I think now it's time for me to go to make sure that we have an order in place. Cause if there's no order in place. You can't really, you know, you, you can't really do anything. But to answer the second part of your question, which was um, as far as the paternity. So I can't speak for, um, you know, any other state, but I know in Maryland, in order to uh, request child support, paternity must be established. So it could be um, a, rebuttable, a rebuttable presumption if conceived during a marriage, if both part, you know, the, the man and woman were married, or if um, the party, the father, uh, acknowledges uh, paternity, like a birth certificate, like I said, a birth certificate, or if he's denied paternity, then they have to do uh, establish a paternity action where they, you know, swap um, to prove um, that he is the father. So it can be done in one of those three different ways in Maryland. Okay. So... I guess would you um, recommend, because you say you, you know, try to talk to your child's father and he really just didn't understand. But um, if 
you know, the mom tries to sit down and talk with the child's father and, you know, he say that he's willing to do it. Then do you think that they, she should just, I guess, like give him the benefit of the doubt and trust him or should she just stick with her gut and proceed with uh, moving forward with the whole child support process? I guess it still goes back to kind of like that determination thing or does it kind of vary to each his own? Yeah, I was about to say, I think that's more of a, you know, case-by-case situation, because I think it depends on a lot of different factors. I think it depends on um, the communication between the two parties, you know, like, you know, is is this a relationship, you know, was this a relationship where there was good communication, and then, you know, you both agreed to co-parent, and, you know, there's, you know, not much trouble going on, or is this a situation where, you know, one parent can't stand the other parent, so it's kind of difficult to sit down to agree you know, to communicate if you can't really talk about anything. So I think it's just a very um, case-by-case situation. It just depends on uh, the two individuals. I do know some friends of mine who, you know, who've never had to go to court, you know. They they have their arrangement, and it's working for them. And I have other parents who, other friends who, they say, you know what, no, I'm taking him for child support. I don't trust him. You know, he's got a new girlfriend now, and he's just spending all his money on her. He he said he's going to takes care of his child but he's not doing it so you know I think it's a very case-by-case situation but I would say you should at least you know at least try it doesn't hurt to try you know and if it doesn't work you can say well I tried to do it you know out of court because I you know I even for me as an attorney you know I didn't want to have to resort to court you know that I just I really really did not want to because I just see how much how, how emotional it can get um you know so I try try to resolve it outside of the courtroom but sometimes you just have to you know you just have to do what you have to do um because at the end of the day you want to do you want to do what's in the best interest of the child I would say you know you always want to do what's in the best interest of the child and there may be I think people don't realize or understand that there can also be um collateral consequences I don't want to say consequences but things that can occur from that you know like like for me I, I thought about well even though I have a right to go into the request this modification, how is this going to affect the relationship between, you know, me, my daughter, and her dad? You know, how are pickups and drop-offs going to look now? You know, all these other things that you have to think about and consider, mm-hmm. um, you know, while you're deciding to go through with this process. Yes, I totally can see that. Now, sometimes uh, things happen where just say for instance um so I did well yeah I did a a single dad series on the podcast and one of the dads that I talked to he actually said that he did I guess the whole process himself like he filled out the initial paperwork to get the child support case started and then um he ended up like I guess having the child's mother to come to court because he wanted custody of the child. Um, In this case, the mother was paying him child support. So I just want the moms to be aware that sometimes if they go to file for child support, that um, the court could rule favor in, you know, the daughter, I mean, the father's hand. Like, it is possible, you know, and so I want you to talk about that a little bit, because I don't think, like a lot of moms are aware of that. Like if the father mm-hmm. is in a better situation financially and the court can see that they are able to, you know, take care of the child maybe um, better than the mother can, then, 
you know, the mom may end up paying the child support instead. If, you know, they have that, I guess, um, arrangement. I, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I remember him telling me that um, when I was talking to him. So, yeah, just, you know, talk about that a little bit. Okay. And I, I feel like I can relate to this so much. It's my personal my personal story. But, again, I want to only speak for Maryland. In Maryland, you have to have an established custody order first. So custody oh, and wow. support is separate. Wow. So yeah, you so have to have um, an established custody in Maryland in order to get child support. You have to have an No, 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 no. You don't? No, no, no. So, well, because, okay, the reason why I said that is because when you started saying that the, the dad took her to court and he, I think he said, if I'm mistaken, please correct me, but it sounded like he said that he um, was getting child support from the mom because he took the mom for custody. Yeah, so, so two, he wanted full custody of his son. And so he, you know, he went and did all this paperwork himself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And basically had her to come to court. Okay. Okay. So, so, you know, custody and child support are separate for Maryland. Um, the whole custody, you know, custody issue is separate from child support, meaning that, okay, for, um, and I'll just share my personal story so we can all can understand where I'm coming from. So, you know, Mind you, I just said that like a month ago, I had went for a child support modification hearing, child support modification hearing, and the judge did actually end up ruling in the dad's favor because we did not have an established custody order, and the dad basically told the judge that because see in Maryland they um, can calculate child support based on sole custody or joint custody. And he basically told the judge that, um, you know, that we had a joint custody arrangement, that he had her 142 days out of a year or more, which isn't true. But again, we don't have an established custody order for me to disprove that. So it's pretty much, you know, my word against his. Um, and secondly, he was awarded, uh, well, the judge granted his favor because the judge said that I wasn't able to prove how much my work-related child care expenses are. So with my job, what I do now, I don't have, you know, I pretty much work from home a lot um, and I kind of make my own schedule for the most part. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult to, um, like my child care needs vary, you know, so I can't say, oh, hey, I spend $100 a week on, you know, because my daughter's in school. She goes to school, you know, during the day and sometimes I may need her to go to, you know, like a before aftercare, like if I'm in court late or something like that, but it's not a consistent thing. So the judge wasn't able to take that information in order to calculate, okay, to add that to my, um, how much child support I should be getting. But we're actually, soon we're going to be in a process of getting an established custody order. Because once we have that established custody order, I can say, go back to the court and say, judge, we have an established custody order. I have sole custody. And therefore, this child support order should be calculated based on the fact that I have sole custody and not joint custody. But without that order in place, you know, both parents have equal custody. You know, if there's no order in place, then one parent doesn't have more custody than the other. The only thing with child support, the reason why people can get child support with no custody order is because child support just focuses on the non-custodial parent versus the custodial parent, meaning who has the child most of the time. If you have the child most of the time, okay, then the other parent should, should pay child support. But that's not a child support order. And it can get very confusing, but 
child support basically is calculated based on who had who's a custodial parent. Do you have the child? But it's pretty much you know my you know they'll look at the fact of okay, this is the address. You know this is where this person goes, and they take testimony. You say, well, hey, I'm the one who takes her to school every day. I pick her up every day. I pick her to all the doctor's appointments. She lives here. She's here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and they'll say, okay, well you're the custodial parent, but there's no order saying you know I have established custody unless you do that in a separate process. If that makes any sense. But um, I do want to I do want to address the second point that you said as far as I think it is I think it is um, important for you know women to understand that not all the time does uh, the court rule in your favor you know and I think that's I think maybe I should have said this with a misconception I think and one of the misconceptions also is that women just assume that well I'm the mom they're going to give me custody right. I'm the mom that, you know they're going to make him pay child support because I'm the mom and I'm taking care of the child but that's not true. The judge will look at many different factors to determine um, who should get custody. Uh, they look at, I know from Maryland, they, they use um, they use factors that they call um, the best interest of the child factors. So they look at uh, different things such as um, the demands of employment, the fitness of the parents, the geographical proximity of the parents where they reside, the ability for parents to cooperate, um, the desire of both parents to participate in joint custody, um, the impact on state or, you know, if they get any federal assistance or anything like that. So they look at, you know, uh, existing relationships, you know, does a parent live with grandma and grandma and the kid read bedtime stories every night? Okay, well, is it wise to kind of just disrupt that now and just shift custody over to the dad? So the, 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 the courts look at, um, well, many different factors when, they de- when they're deciding who should have child, you know, custody. Just let me know if I'm, if I'm uh, mixed in the two too much, but I wanted to kind of maybe just talk about custody at one time and the child support separately that way it kind of won't mesh together yes because I think it's um helpful to know and again you know each state may vary but it is good to know that at least like in Maryland um that the two are separate so Mm -hmm. uh one of the moms had a question about modification I know you talked about that earlier so she wants to know, I guess, like, what are some um, things that she needs to know before requesting a modification? And I don't know if this is like something general or maybe it's state specific, but could you give her, you know, any tips on preparing for, you know, going back to court for a modification? Okay. Again, this may be, you know, I can't speak for, I'm not sure what state um, she's in, but I will say just some general information. I know from Maryland, and this is something that I didn't know, they don't consider clothing expenses. You know, you can't go and say, oh, you know, I need a modification because, um, like for my my case, my daughter's, like I said, her the order was five years old. So I went in saying, well, your honor, at that time, she was a baby. She's older now. I have to pay more for clothes and food. No, the judge did not want to hear that. They They pretty much look to see if there's a material change in Maryland, a material change of circumstance. What they mean by a material change of circumstance, to be honest with you, most of the time it's an income that has changed significantly, meaning that when this order was in place, let's say, just you know, just for example, let's say when the order was first um, uh, entered, let's say dad was making $30,000 a year, but now he makes $80,000 a year, and mom was maybe making 
you know, 20,000 and now she's making, you know, 40 or 50,000. Well, that's considered a material change um, circumstance because the income has changed significantly. And there is, I know in Maryland, there is a certain percentage that they use, but I, I can't recall off the top of my head right now. I know it's, I know it's in my notes somewhere. Um, but that and also um, expenses. I mean, I'm sorry, like work-related expenses. So daycare, um, let's say if the daycare fees uh, increased, um, they will not consider, again, this is from Maryland specifically, private school, if there is no existing, because my daughter was in private school last year. So I told the judge, well, you honor my daughter's in private school. But they said, well, no, well, now she's five years old. She doesn't have to be in a private school. Do you all have an existing um, agreement that said that both parties agreed for her to be in private school? Um, and because Again, going back to the custody, because there's no existing custody order to say that I'm the one who's able to make solely the decisions when it comes to, because with custody, then you have, you have physical custody and you have legal custody. So physical custody means who has the child majority of the time. Legal custody means who makes the decisions regarding the child, who decides where the child goes to school, who decides who the doctor's going to be, who decides that if there's going to be emergency operation needed, who's going to make the call. So we didn't have an existing order to say that I was the one who's going to be solely the decision maker to determine where she goes to school. So I couldn't then ask the judge to, um, to consider her private school um, in my increase for modification. So I would say, um, oh, another thing, depending on the state, they may also consider an existing child support order for another child. So let's say if. Oh, that was another question. Yes. Yes. So they, they don't have to, but they may. Now, I can't say, again, this doesn't, I'm speaking for Maryland specifically, but um, they they may. Because, again, the situation with my, my daughter's uh, dad, he had another child. He has another child, and he had, a, had an existing order from that uh, case as well. However, the judge did not consider it because he did not have an official um order in court he didn't you know he just was you know he didn't have official proof official order like the judge wanted to see it on um you know court records to show that you know he had an official order he didn't have the information there in court so the judge didn't consider it but the judge can so i think it's important to to keep that in mind um also and the judge the judge or magistrate in maryland again will also consider if you know who pays health insurance um, does the mom pay health insurance? Does the dad pay health insurance? So they consider that as well. And they use, actually, they use a guideline. So it's called the child support guidelines. And they can uh, use the, um, you know, they use the guidelines depending on if it's a joint custody or, it's, or if it's um, sole custody. And that, you know, that's case by case. You know, it's, unless there's an existing custody order, if there's no custody order, I mean, it's kind of your word against the other parent. You know, you may have some, some, some evidence to prove that you do have so custody. Um, but I know for my, my case, it was pretty much my word against his because we didn't have an existing custody order. Wow. That is so interesting to know. Oh my gosh. So I'm just wondering if, I guess you say that the other parent's income increased, is that like, I don't know, is there like an order in place? where the court orders the other parent to submit like their pay stubs mm-hmm. or yes. 
the other or like just say in your case would you have to provide those additional expenses expenses before they requested proof of income or do they just automatically just go ahead and request it since you you told them that they had a you know increase in income so for mine um when when i filed my modification um on you know on a form they say well why are you requesting in so many words this is what it says why are you requesting a modification so i put that um you know i listed out all the expenses that that were not currently existing at the time when she was a baby so i put the fact that she was in private school you know the clothing which i later learned that they don't consider in maryland um, but i didn't know that at the time i mean technically like when we when i was taught in law school they are supposed to but you know that's a whole separate topic but some just know that sometimes there will be rules, but judges can pretty much decide what they want. I mean, you're supposed mm-hmm. to follow the law and follow the rules, but sometimes, you know, depending on who you have as a judge, they're just going to gonna do what they want to do. I mean, that's just me being honest. Um, but so I put, the, you know, her clothing expenses, um, her health insurance. I did get um, credit for the health insurance when they did the calculation because I do pay um, her health insurance. Um, so, you know, you just kind of, you know, you're right. You're filling out this form um, under oath, so they just assume that you're telling the truth. Um, and then when the hearing comes, um, that's when you provide, you know, your your pay stubs, and the other party has to provide their pay stubs as well um, to to prove how much money that they're making. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. So before you can even just say request a modification, you have to be able to write down those additional expenses you just can't go request a modification because you know that the other parent got a promotion or an increase or anything like that that's not a good enough reason for them to reevaluate how much you're getting yeah yeah yes you have to you know because if they let's say they well i don't know that's a good question um, i don't want to i don't want to give out any false information but I mean, a significant change of income is a material change of circumstance even if the child doesn't have any I don't know. I guess it would just depend on, you know, case by case, because let's say, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to give out any, anything false, but I'll say that, you know, if a parent went from making $20,000 a year to $60,000 a year, but, you know, the fact is five, let's say for like, again, for my case, five years had passed. So, I mean, if anything else, let's just kind of, you know, reevaluate to see if this is, um, this order is still the best, if it's still in the best interest of the child. And I think, you know, depending on the age of the order, you know, um, judges may be uh, more willing to, you know, reopen it because it's been five years. You know, they'll they at least give you a hearing to, so you can make your argument as to why you believe a modification should be granted versus, let's say, you know, the judge entered an order um, a year ago and you found out, you know, two weeks ago, he got a new job, and now you're trying to go back to court again. They're like, ah, well, I don't know, you know, your order is only a year old. You know, they may be less likely to grant you a hearing um, because the order is still so new. So it kind of depends, and I feel like that's the answer to, like, most legal, you know, questions people ask as it relates to law, but it really does because each case is different. Yeah. So it just, it really does just depend. Okay, and for those moms out there who are you know, considering this whole child support process, um, how do you recommend that they prepare when going to court and what should they expect? And also, like, whenever you did it or, 
even now as you know a lawyer do you recommend that they seek legal counsel or um do you think it's okay for them to go about it on their own because like I said you know that one dad he just I guess like googled the information he did all the forms himself and all of that when he got a notarized um just did everything himself and was able to you know um win but everyone is not that fortunate so what I guess would be your advice like outside of being a lawyer and then actually knowing what you know as a lawyer um again <laughs> I think it depends and and I know and I'm and I'm actually just explain why and again I'll just be transparent and share my my um, situation so for me you know here I am I'm a lawyer myself so you know I'm thinking well I don't really need a lawyer you know I, I know what the law says you know I know how to present a case I know how to argue the case I know you know I but my daughter's father, he hired him an attorney at the very last minute. And I think it's because he knew that I was a lawyer and he just didn't want to feel like there was an unfair advantage. So I can't, I mean, everyone has, you know, is entitled to, to seek representation. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I would say just, just without knowing anyone's individual um, situation, I would say if the party is going pro se, meaning without an attorney, then I think it would be okay. But if you know for sure that this the, the parents gonna have an attorney, you should definitely have an attorney too. Um, and even from me, you know, like again, you know, I'm an attorney, but as we go through with this custody dispute, I'm gonna actually, um, I'm gonna, you know, be, I'm gonna do co-counsel, so I'm gonna have somebody help me because I think, I think also what people may have to to realize and think about is the emotional um, things that may come along with that. Because it's very difficult. I know for me, you know, for for my modification here, and I'm cross-examining this guy who I once loved and, you know, had the baby by. And it was very emotional. And I think I kind of underestimated that. You know, I just felt like, okay, well, you know, I'm a lawyer. I know what this is. But I didn't really, um, like I said, I underestimated the emotional toll that it was taking on me. So it was very difficult for me to stay focused. You know, it's it's different when you're representing somebody else, you know, because you don't have Mm -hmm. to, you don't have that emotional, you know, it's, you're, you're, I feel like you're, you're very, you're more effective because you don't have to worry about the whole emotional aspect. But if you're trying to take on this case on your own and, you know, you have to, you know, relationship may have been bad. It may have been a horrible, you know, so you want to, you want to consider that also. But I will say that um, I know in Maryland, they do have in the courts, they do have um, an attorney that you can speak to for free. So you can get free legal advice. Most people, a lot of people just don't have money to hire an attorney, mm-hmm. but if you can afford, you know, you can, and most attorneys will give you a free consultation. Um, many attorneys will give you a free consultation. So even if you just go in and say, hey, you know, this is my situation. Um, you know, do you think I should, should, I need an attorney? Now, some attorneys may say, well, you know, no, based on what you tell me, you know, this may seem something, something, a case like the two of you can kind of just, you know, go in court on your own. Or they may say, well, no, you need to, you know, this is a very complex case. You may need to, to hire somebody to represent you. So. I hate saying that it depends, but it really does. You know, it just depends on what, what's going on. But again, many people can't afford to just hire an attorney like that. You know, I know for me, when I went in to do my, my, um, my consultation with um, this, this uh, attorney that I, I um, actually kind of already knew, um, but even her, her fee was, you know, $2,500 just for, uh, actually, you know, it was seven fifth, seven hundred and fifty dollars, and that was going to be her price just for like standing in for me on the day of the child custody, the child support hearing. So you know, 
it depends. But if you can't hire an attorney, I would say just try to doc get as much documentation, evidence as you can. Get you, you know, make sure you bring everything. Bring, you know, your 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 work related childcare expenses. If you're paying health insurance, bring bring receipts of that. Um, you know, bring make sure you bring your your pay stubs. You know, anything additional that you you think you may, you know, any any additional expenses that you have, even if it, even if the judge doesn't consider them, bring them anyway. You know, you just, it's better to be over prepared than to be under prepared. And then what if about any like, text messages? Yeah. Oh, I was just about to ask about the text messages where you may have tried to reach out to see, like, hey, can you help me with this or that? You know. Yeah, I mean, bring it all. I know for me, again, I was kind of shocked because before, you know, so I didn't get into this, but. I, um, when I started, I was an attorney. I was, uh, I did my work as a criminal prosecutor in Baltimore. So I did, you know, my work in Baltimore. I'm from, uh, so I moved back, left the office and left the, the Baltimore State Attorney's Office. And I came back to this area to, to do some other stuff and uh, focus on some other things. And that, again, I underestimated the, um, the, the family law court in PG County. Cause I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm an attorney. I know what I'm doing. But that's why it's also important. I would say, you know, just go visit. You know, go visit the court, sit in, maybe on a couple hearings, kind of see how it goes, you know, he, you know, look at, you know, because it's open to the public. Go, you know, sit in, you know, see how the judge is, you know, look at what other people are, you know, arguments other people are bringing up, um, see what evidence the judge considers, look at the evidence, different types of documents the judge doesn't consider. That way you can be prepared, you know. Um, for my situation, I didn't know that I only had 15 minutes to present my case. I was so shocked and so caught off, you know, caught off guard. Um, I just had no idea. Um, so I, I was, I had a lot of information, but I, I feel like I was rushed because I, I just, that just caught me off guard. But if I would have went, let's say like a week before and kind of just sat, sat there and kind of observed or, you know, I can kind of had an idea to say, okay, I'm going to have 15 minutes. So I think it's best to just focus on, you know, these three points or these, these four different point, points. Um, so I would recommend that too, you know, that way you can feel comfortable. You can, you know, say, okay, well, I know that um, based on what I, the, the, the hearings that I sat in on, I know that the judge really does want to see, you know, um, hardcore proof that this child is, uh, these are the work-related work childcare expenses. Maybe from the daycare has to write a letter saying that, um, you know, this is how much I pay in childcare versus a receipt. Receipts maybe just not be enough. You know, just little things like that that you probably won't even think about but you would pick up on just by sitting and observing. Um, so I would recommend that. And I would recommend just gather as much evidence as you can, you know, receipts, text messages where you try to reach out, you know, that the judge may consider them to be relevant, may not, but it's better to bring it and let the judge decide there than to not have it at all. Um, and I would say, you know, just try to remain, also just try to remain cordial. Just try to be... Uh, cordial that way when you get there I mean even though it's not really relevant but still you don't want them to be able to, to say anything to say well you know she's just being upset she's just being bitter she doesn't want me to see my child she doesn't want you know she's upset because I got a new girlfriend this is why she's doing this to me just be polite be cordial um, I personally believe in having most communication via text or email that way you can always prove what was said and what wasn't said and that's how I operate to this day I do majority of my communication via text again if you call up to the courthouse in your individual uh, state and district you can ask for the family law division and once they transfer you to the family law division you can ask them 
you know, I'm um, considering filing a case for um, child support. Do you all have any um, in-house pro bono legal services? You know, are there any lawyers that I can speak to? And they should be able to direct you to um, that office if they have one there. They should have somebody that you can speak to. Um, And I know a lot of the, um, some courts have like actually like law libraries in there. So you can go to the law library and um, ask the the librarian to refer you to like the self-help manuals, you know, how to file a child support case, how to file a a custody case. And they have like books in there that can um, help you. Uh, will help walk you through the process if you can't afford an attorney. So I would recommend that as well. Okay, awesome. So uh, this is my one last um, question. And I guess it's like dealing with those parents who are in the military, I guess either on active duty or reserve. Like how do you recommend going about that? Because, you know, they may be deployed or they may be on and off, I guess. So do you recommend like, you know, going about it the same type of way, like trying to communicate and then if you can't, um, just going about it the normal way? Or do you think it's like harder? Um, to be completely honest with you, I have zero experience with that. So I I really don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just like I don't I don't know enough about that to to effectively, I guess, give some advice. And I don't I really don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, I don't know. That would be a situation where you would want to speak to. Probably you would want to speak to an attorney in your individual um, state that could okay. better you know help you. You know, because I think that's such a complicated. Um, thing that I don't know I don't want to say the wrong thing to be honest I did want to add I don't think this question was asked but I did want to also um add the 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 aspect of um you know serving having the person served because once you file for the 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 child support or child custody order you have to serve them Mm -hmm. that's something else that I had to 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 deal with um so you have to figure out how you want to get this person served. And again, depending on, you know, how the relationship is or was, or, you know, you want to be very mindful of that aspect also. Are you going to be planning on serving them at their job? Are you going to serve them at home? Who are you going to get to serve them? Are you going to send a sheriff to serve them? Are you going to get a family member to serve them? Because um, you can't serve them yourself. So it has to be a party. It can, Well, at least in Maryland, it has to be um, an adult 18 years or older can serve you know, so I can get my sister to serve, um, if so I want to, or, do, like, letters, like, you just can't, you know, like, I don't know, so I don't know a whole lot about child support, I'm just gonna put that out there, but I remember, like, my daughter's father, he has another kid, and he was saying that, um, his son's mother, I guess, basically filed for child support, and they sent him a letter, I guess, since he didn't, well, like, it's his mom address, so he didn't live there, um, back, I guess, whenever she filed for child support, but I guess that's the last address that they had or something. So they sent a letter to his mom's house. Oh, wow. I, again, it may be different, you know, depending on yeah, I guess depending the, on the state that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. But this but was like it, years ago, so I'm sure times have changed. <laughs> They've gotten better. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I had to figure out, you know, how am I going to serve him? Um, and I ended up using a private um process server but that fee was 75 dollars, so you know it, it can get expensive um to file for custody i had to pay 165 dollars 
to pay to get him served for the child support of $75. And in Maryland, they mandate that you take parenting classes if you're filing for um, custody. So, and those are separate fees that you have to pay. So it can get expensive really quick. Um, so you want to make sure you check that out too. Um, that, that applies more so for the child support, you know, just check and see if there are any fees. And I do know that you can get, depending on your income, you can get waivers. Um, you can talk to the the, the clerk about um, applying for a fee waiver. That way you don't have to pay the, the filing fees if there are any. I just wanted to kind of put that out there as well. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's a very important uh, thing for people to consider as well. But now, um, I know I said I had one last question, but actually um, I have one more. If, you know, you are applying for child support, um, do they take like your income into consideration as well as the other parent or is it solely based off like you were saying about the legal and physical custody how do they actually determine the amount and I know it varies from state to state but like I guess in Maryland um, how is that calculated I know here well I'm in Houston Texas and so last time I checked I believe it was like and I don't know if this is the only thing, but they take into consideration the other parents. Like if I have the child all the time, there's currently like no custody arrangement in order, then they would, I guess, basically base it off of his income. I'm not exactly sure, but I just want to clear that up for some of the moms who had asked. Okay. So um, in Maryland, they take into consideration both parents' income, regardless of who has custody. Okay, because so, um, you did yeah, say so that I that had, was separate, right? So it doesn't even matter who has the custody. Well, the only thing that 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 um, matters as far as Maryland is they do the calculation. So they so it's this worksheet that they use. It's this worksheet that they use, and they you know basically they plug in you know your numbers, how much you make, and they plug in how much the dad makes. Plug in okay, how much. You know, how much do you pay for work-related child care expenses? How much is health insurance? And then they do the same for him. Well, how much does he pay for work-related child care expenses? How much does he pay for health insurance if he doesn't? Because both parents are not going to pay for child, I mean, pay for um, health insurance. But the only thing that, that, the only thing that matters in Maryland as far as what's significant is who has joint or, um, joint or sole physical custody it's because they use a different calculation. They still use my income, but there's a different like formula, let's just say, that they use. So they're still gonna be they're still gonna put in um my uh, you know, uh how much I make, but it's a different formula that they use for joint custody and legal custody. And you would get more if you, if you had legal I mean, so um so physical custody but they're still going to take in consideration my income if that makes any sense so I still have to they're still going to plug in let's say if I make $80,000 they're still going to put $80,000 you know in okay she makes $80,000 okay however we're going to use a different formula and maybe based on this this this, uh sole physical custody formula we're only going to you know with, with the sole physical custody formula she may get uh let's say $1,000 $1,000 versus what they have joint custody There's a different percentage that they use. They still want to put it in the $80,000, but it's a different calculation that they do where you would get uh, less, if that makes any sense. But for both, I'm putting in my income for both. 
Okay, that makes total sense. All right, cool. So um, going back to that military one, is there like any way you recommend for the moms to find somebody specifically who um, has experience with handling military, you know, parents, or is that something that they could like just search for, you know, um, lawyers or attorneys that have experience with military? I think the easiest thing to do, um, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I just want to pull up this, this guideline so I can just kind of share it with, with everyone real quick before we get off. But I think the easiest thing to do would be to just, you know, Google family law attorneys in um, whatever state that she's in and just kind of, like, you know, ask, like, call it, you know, you know, check the reviews and, you know, stuff like that, but call an attorney and say, hey, you know, I have a um, a, a child support uh issue against uh, um, the dad who's in the military, you know, is it something that your firm handles? If not, could you give me a referral? And they will refer you to someone who could um, help you if they can't. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So that is actually my last question. So sorry. I know I said that like two times, but I really, really, really appreciate you taking out the time um, to do this for me. So are there any other last words or tips you have um, for these moms who may be considering child support or they may feel guilty about doing it and you know let everybody know where they can find you and connect with you and I do have a lot of moms um, from the DMV area so I don't know if you like take on you know clients like you know individually or I don't, I'm not sure how you do your work but you can let us know that as well so if they are looking for a lawyer um, if you are accepting clients you can let them know as well. Okay. I do want to, I do, I'm going to touch on that, but it, do you mind if I just kind of run through um, the, the worksheet that I was discussing? Like, no, no, quick, no, 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 go ahead. Okay. So this is, um, I'm going to just share with you the difference when I talked about, you know, the primary physical custody versus joint custody. So what, what they, in the worksheet, they uh, would include the monthly actual income for both parents, so parent one, parent two, Minus pre-existing child support payment actually paid, meaning, so let's say if you make $80,000, I'll just use this, um, use some numbers to kind of help with the example. So let's say parent one makes 80000 parent two makes 80000 and um, you add in the pre-existing child support payment actually paid. So let's say he's already paying $500 a month because that's an existing um, child support actually paid. Um, but if that, if this is the first time that you want to get child support and numbers are probably going to be zero um so and then they also uh so based on that it's like performance like a worksheet so then they'll put a percentage share of income basically saying that which parent should be responsible like the percentage that each parent should be responsible for the child so they're going to plug in the salaries of both parents but then they may say oh well parent one should be responsible for 35 percent of the expenses of the child. Parent two should be responsible for more, eh, 75%. Um, and then this is based on the, the primary physical custody. And then they also include the work-related child care expenses, health insurance expenses, extraordinary medical expenses. Um, and then in a statute, it provides um, an option to provide additional expenses, with, which could be uh, transportation fees, if, if there's transportation fees needed for a child to go to a certain school, and then they kind of come, basically they use that to come up with how much the child support payment should be. Now with the, um, now I want to go to the joint custody one really quick. So with the 
okay, here's the shared physical custody one. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, monthly actual income uh, percentage, the percentage share of income, basic child support obligation. And again, with this one, they ask for how many overnights with each parent. And I believe it has to be, I want to say 147. That could be wrong. I'm not sure. But it has to be a certain certain percentage of um, overnights in order for there to be the determination that there is joint custody. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I think that is helpful <laughs> enough for them. Okay. So to provide any last minute tips, I would say to um, just be cordial throughout the process, you know, try to be as cordial as possible. I know that for a lot of guys, you know, child support is like, oh, it's like giving a death sentence. They just get very offended and very upset. And, you know, it, it can be a lot of, um, I guess, you know, anger um, at the mere fact that you even mentioned child support. And I would just say, don't let that affect you. You know, you have to do, at the end of the day, you have to do what's in the best interest of your child. You have to do what's best for your child. For me, I just knew that I did not want to have to go through big rent over, you know, receiving payment for the next 18 years or the next 13 years of my life. So I just wanted to have something on paper that would have to say, okay, well, we both know this is how much you have to pay. So we don't have to keep arguing about who's going to pay what. Um, but, you know, still that, you know, this is a parent of your child so you still want to be you know somewhat cordial to them and just you know tell them it's not personal you just have to take care of business um I would say make sure you have as much documentation um as you can when you do when you do go to court make sure you prepare if you do have time to kind of you know scope out the courtroom beforehand to kind of you know sit on maybe a few hearings to kind of see how the process works I would recommend that you do that oh my gosh Um, that is so cool I I think I may consider doing that myself just so because they ask me a lot of times and I'm not you know like a lawyer or anything like that you know I don't know anything and I just think it would be cool for me to see how it works yeah yeah um I would say to also, you know, if there's a um, a uh, bar library, um, I know some courthouses have actual law, legal libraries, um, you know, go there if you don't, you know, and just kind of talk to the librarian and let them know, hey, I'm thinking about filing a case for, um, a filing a complaint for uh, child support. Do you have any materials that you think recommend any manuals? Because they have a lot of self-help manuals in um I know at least in Maryland, the libraries for pro se litigants, for people who can't afford attorneys. Um, and then you can also ask them, is there any attorneys here that I can speak to pro bono? Um, or you can you can also Google, you know, in your state pro bono family law attorneys and see what comes up. They may have some resources um, for people specifically for, for family law cases. I know in Maryland there's a we have something called a pro bono project and we do do pro bono cases I don't believe it's for child support custody but it is certain family law cases I think it's like abuse and neglect but you never know so I would say to google to find out if there are any pro bono services um and oh yeah and also when you do go to to file see if you can qualify for a fee waiver that way you don't have to pay the filing fees and I think that's it all right, awesome. And if you have any additional questions, you know, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I can help you out to the best of my ability. And I do have a um, – so the restriction is I can't give legal advice to 
to um, people who don't reside in Maryland. So if you ask me, well, you know, I live in Georgia and the Georgia law says this, how do you think this will play out? Uh, I'm ethically not, not able to do that, but I can answer general questions, um, but I'm not authorized to practice in any other state other than D.C., well, you know, well, Maryland and D.C. All right. Awesome. And um, I will link your Instagram in the show notes. That way they can connect with you over there. So again, thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate you taking out the time to answer all of these questions. I know that it's going to be helpful for some moms and I hope you have a great night and get your work done. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Nashia. I believe that she dropped a lot of gems and I hope you were able to get some of your child support questions answered. So we want to hear from you. Let us know via the review section if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you are listening on SoundCloud, you can simply leave us a comment. And if you are not listening on either one of those. Just simply shoot me a DM. Let me know what you thought. Let me know if the information was helpful. Um, I like to think that the content that I'm providing is helpful, but it's always great to hear from you guys. So thank you in advance for that. And if we are not connected, you can find me on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. I'm also over on Facebook at Single Black Motherhood. And you can check out the website, singleblackmotherhood.com. Again, I appreciate each and every one of you. Talk to you next week. Bye.